Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance in the Crawl Space Studios in Wormtown. Lance, how are you today? I am doing so well. How are you today? Uh, I'm so well, too. The worm gave me a wink on my way by into the studio today. It's going to be a good day. Yeah, the worm is uh, celebrating the holidays, so laying low a little bit, but occasionally pops its head out to give a wink to those who he allows to pass through, and we are in his good graces, so it's all good here in Wormtown. And our guest today, Lance, is no worm. He is Chris Duet from the podcast Criminal Perspective. He's one half of the duo behind Criminal Perspective. Yeah, we got Chris Duet and Andrew Dodge who host Criminal Perspective. And if you haven't heard that podcast yet, check it out. They interview serial killers, mass murderers, spree killers while they're incarcerated. And Andrew Dodge is also the owner of TrueCrimeAuctionHouse.com, and that's a murderbilia website. And he was not able to join us on this interview because he was in the field doing some actual, you know, hands-on, getting-the-hands-dirty type work. He was in prison, in death row, interviewing a, a convicted murderer. Yeah, it's pretty wild, and he sort of has an extensive relationship with um, some of these people, and um, a lot of them, too. So it's really endlessly fascinating, their process and what they do to get their interviews. And if you haven't heard Criminal Perspective, check it out. Uh, we've run a couple of episodes on these airwaves here, but uh, you got to subscribe to it because what they're doing over there is really special. And they also have a Patreon page. I think it's only 3 bucks to to join, and you get, uh, you get their content. So check that out, too. There are links in the show notes. I also wanted to say that there's a new True Crime Twins episode coming out this week, so check that oh. out and subscribe to True Crime Twins if you don't already. The return of True Crime Twins. Boom. We got Chloe Cantor and her twin sister, Melina Cantor, as they dissect some of the uh, most fascinating uh, true crime cases. That's right. And Crawlspace Media, the, the podcast network, is ever-expanding, Lance. And there's another new show that's out there that's actually run about five or six episodes at this point. It's called Pyrational Stories. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Pyrational Stories is the first fictional podcast that Crawlspace has taken on. And it is written by a author who is preferring to be anonymous, going by the uh, the pseudonym Pi Rational, and the first season is titled Lotus, and it's got six episodes. The finale was today, and it is uh, kind of a crazy story about someone uh, who becomes addicted to eating flowers. So there's a lot of hidden, hidden meanings. There's uh, sort of like the whole onion unpeeling type thing. Uh, check that out. Six episodes of Lotus, and we got a new season coming up uh, probably in December or January. Okay, great. So a lot of stuff to check out over the holiday weekend. So really enjoy the holidays with your family, everybody. Get in your uh, your crawlspace media network listening, and uh, thanks a lot. And you know what you can talk about during your Thanksgiving dinner? You can talk about politics, or you can talk about the season finale of Lotus, or you can talk about Chris Duet uh, almost uh, dying from laughing too hard. Joining us via the Zencaster hotline, it's Chris Duet of Criminal Perspective. Chris, what is going on? Uh, a bunch of coffee, and uh, <laughs> uh, I'm getting ready for some some good times with you guys. So, yes. Well, why don't you go ahead and plug that coffee? It turns out that I'm drinking uh, the finest. From the Bean Bastard Coffee Roastery in Buffalo, New York, I'm having some of the Criminal Perspective Bean Bastard Collaborative Roast Black Widow, which is uh, limited edition and exclusive, and you can pick it up at thebeanbastard.com. And I can attest to to this uh, fact. It is in my top three uh, favorite coffees. I thought you were going to say it's in your tummy. And uh, I was about to, <laughs> I like that much better. But yeah, top three is cool. I like that. <laughs> it's in my tummy, Chris. Chris, I've never used, I've, <laughs> I've never used the word tummy. <laughs> it is tra traveling very quickly through my bowels and it's <laughs> okay. doing, what, doing, doing what coffee does. <laughs> That's well, the perspective you get. 
with criminal Ooh. perspective. I, uh, before, Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> before we get into the actual interview, I just want to, I don't know if this was going to be brought up, but I really need to explain that this interview was supposed to be conducted yesterday. And we had a little issue with, uh, with Zencaster. Zencaster is a wonderful uh, product and we recommend it. But uh, sometimes it, 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 you know, it, it's a little glitchy. So anyway, we realized that the interview. Ooh, they're gonna do- they're gonna dock your pay for that. <laughs> they actually don't sponsor us. Yeah, they, they should. Don't, they don't pay us. Mm. Um, that's 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 what that's what somebody who's sponsored would say. <laughs> uh, but we we determined that it would be better to do the interview today instead of yesterday. So we just uh, started a conversation, and Tim played a soundbite of of me when uh, I broke during a. Uh, ad read that we had a couple of days ago. I, I fit like my my head broke. I was trying to say something, and my brain broke, and I made a noise. And Tim had this soundbite, and you proceeded to. We all proceeded. Ah, to, there it is. I can't. Don't stop. You proceeded to laugh. You said something that was. You laughed so hard. You said you were having a heart attack and you couldn't feel your arm. Okay, okay, okay. okay. So hold on, hold on. So I have a, I have a bad. Uh, well, I've had a bad cold for about a week now. You might have to edit out some coughing and stuff here and there. But I was. I mean, this went on for a good twenty minutes, and my. I was laughing so much and so hard that my chest was hurting, and then after my chest started hurting, my because I know that's like. The first sign of a heart attack is your fucking arm goes numb. And my left arm went numb because I, I don't know, I was laughing so much. And I seriously, like, I was laughing thinking that I was going to die. <laughs> I think that's what it was. That's what kept making me laugh harder. Yes. Aside from the soundbite was that you, if you were having a heart attack, you were, you were laughing. So you couldn't stop laughing. During a heart attack. I could not stop laughing. It was I, I could if, if somebody came and put a fucking gun to my head yesterday <laughs> and said, stop fucking laughing right now. Or I'm going to pull the trigger like I couldn't stop laughing like I'd be dead. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so glad we got that out of the way. Uh, that was fun. I, I have to say that was. Highlight of uh, of my week, uh, hearing you laugh like that, that was, <laughs> and laughing with you like that. I mean, it was so fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was fun. Yeah. Oh, sweating, and you couldn't feel your arm. <laughs> I, 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 I almost took a picture of myself to show you guys how bad I was sweating. It was like sauna sweat. <laughs> I, I, I seriously haven't laughed that hard in so long. Us too. And it's just, yeah. that, it's just that stupid little one-syllable noise. I don't know what it is. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Chris, uh, you uh, you have a co-host. Yeah, there goes the coffee. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> apart. Back, back to business. Yes. Well, Chris, you have a co-host, and sadly, he uh, is not able to join us today. But uh, his name is Andrew Dodge, and uh, can you explain us to us a little bit about Andrew and uh, why he can't join us and, today, and where you put the body? <laughs> I knew this was coming. Uh, <laughs> so basically, um, Andrew is a lovely person. He is uh, very healthy at the moment and um, free on his own accord to do whatever he wishes. Uh, he's not in captivity. He's not harmed okay. in any way. Um, unlike the CD environment of Crawl Space, um, <laughs> Everything is fine on the criminal perspective front. Andrew's he's currently in the Bay Area of California visiting some death row inmates. So um, Andrew couldn't be joining us today. But uh, yeah, that's that's where he is at right now. So, I mean, if they will harm him, that I, I couldn't tell you. We'll find <laughs> out. But I definitely did not harm Andrew. I am. I am humbled that you consider us seedy. I thank you, sir. Oh, you know, you, I mean, there's no need to thank me. I'm just, I just call it like I see it, you know? <laughs> so, Chris, your show is Criminal Perspective, and you speak to killers uh, from mm. who, who are incarcerated um, on your show. And is that the typical process that you go through? Uh, was, is where Andrew goes to um, these prisons? I mean, it's, it's, so Andrew, we just put up an episode uh, today, actually, where we talk about, our, our depth of how involved we are with these inmates and everything. And I'm not very involved with them. I was for a good while, um, many years, but more recently when people hear me talk to them on the show, that's 
pretty much the the extent of my interaction with them. I just choose not to spend my free time talking with, um, you know, murderers and whatnot uh, for the most part. But Andrew never fucking stops talking to him. Like I'll be on a conversation with him. We'll be talking about the show or whatever. And he'll get like four or five calls back to back from various convicted murderers. And uh, he travels around the country to visit them. And um, yeah, it's just a, uh, it, it, it literally, he never stops. He's like completely engulfed and obsessed with uh, interacting with these people. Whereas I'm not so, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not so much part of it in terms of the show, but uh, it does. Um, I mean, all of it kind of overlaps. So it does, and we're with Patreon too, because um, you you hold some of your your best interviews, your uh, I suppose juiciest interviews for Patreon, and one of the tiers on Patreon is to actually get some murderbilia mailed to you. Well, and, we we actually yeah. removed it. Um, oh. Yeah, we took that tier down this month and we replaced it with a much, much, much more affordable tier. We did have a $20 tier, um, being that Andrew is a well-known murderabilia dealer. We had a $20 tier where people could get some uh, interesting pieces from these inmates monthly. And uh, we kind of took that down. We replaced it with a $5 tier, which is much, much, much more economically friendly to mm-hmm. our, our valued listeners. And uh, um, it's basically an, an online true crime gallery where weekly Andrew will post a, a high quality scan of a letter or a drawing or something like that from his own personal collection, which is very oh, vast cool. stuff. St- yeah. Stuff he's been collecting over the past 10 years. So um, people will see a lot more um, interesting things. Well, I like that. The, so you, it's more like a like a museum or something, like an online museum where the the members of this club can talk about the artifact. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it gives a lot more. Um, I mean, when when people with the twenty dollar tier we had, people could own the things, um, but with this, people can see uh, things that they they might never be able to see without having access to this. For instance, we have a. Uh, a uh, a couple journal pages from the recent Dayton, Ohio mass shooter, um, Connor Betts. And we obtained this from one of Connor Betts' uh, friends and, um, and the FBI seized all the other journal pages and they didn't take these two and Andrew owns them now. And eventually we'll be posting these for people to look at and, and things like this, things that like people would literally not see if it wasn't for this tier on Patreon. I got so many questions about this. Uh, I have so many answers for you. <laughs> oh, great. So if the FBI has seized journal pages from uh, Connor Betts and it's mm-hmm. evidence for in relation to a crime, how do they determine how do they determine what parts of this journal go to someone like Andrew Dodge for a uh, murderbilia? So the the FBI never had they didn't take these. Um they they took the journals. This is um from one of Connor Betts' friends who had these journals. These were his journals and Connor Betts would be over at his house and would just start um uh doodling and and writing all sorts of crap in in his journals. And the FBI took the journals, but I think these specific two pages might have been in another notebook or something, but they they didn't take them. They weren't you know, they weren't confiscated or anything or, or given to the FBI. So he still had uh, custody of these two pages, which he, um, you know, in turn, Andrew ended up uh, making a deal with him or whatever they did. I don't know. But uh, Andrew, Andrew is the owner now. So these these two specific pages were never seized by the FBI. What's Andrew's process when he becomes the owner of, of these uh, uh, pieces of material? Does he is it kept under wraps how he goes about doing this? No, I don't think so. He's pretty he's pretty on the open about all of it. I mean, it's it's a up and up uh business venture for him, I guess I should say. Um he he also he deals in oddities as well. So, um and and I've seen that a lot of his dealings um with people with oddities and and this murderabilia, it goes hand in hand and and there's a lot of crossover. So, it's it's all pretty much packaged the same way in terms of that and that's how he, you know, uh brings us stuff on convention circuits and things like that. So, uh yeah, it's it's I mean, there's nothing really secretive about it. 
Yeah, and his uh, site is truecrimeauctionhouse.com, so if you want to get anything specific, you can do that there. Um, Mm -hmm. How do you choose your guests? Well, we just uh, we kind of find out cases that are interesting or people who may have interesting stories, and uh, we reach out to them. Um, some people we've known for a very long time. Uh, there's a couple people where we've we've reached out uh, directly in terms of the show. Uh, for instance, Michael Humphreys we had recently. He was 13 years old in the state of Washington when he committed aggravated murder. He broke into a house shot two people, killing one and paralyzing another. And um, I thought his case was interesting given his age at the time and and his case. And uh, so I reached out to Mike Humphreys and asked him, hey, would you like to come on our show and um, have a conversation with us? And he was very open to it. And uh, um, we had never talked with Mike before. I've kept in touch with him since. But um, what's interesting is the month that I believe we aired that show last month and uh people can go check that out on apple or spotify wherever you listen to podcasts and uh that same month last month i got an email from mike saying that he visited a um a sentencing review board and his 58 year sentence has been commuted and he's been in prison for 21 years and he should be out within the next um Within the next few months, I think he said February at the latest he should be out of prison. So it's interesting that we talked to him right before that happened and right before uh you know he got this news that he's going to be released from prison so you get a very real look at how things are for him it's not skewed by this recent news or anything and uh um and and then and there's other people we've known for years so i mean it, it really runs a gamut sometimes inmates get a hold of us out of nowhere and they hear about oh, us in prison and cool. they want to do something. We'll, we'll hear them out and see if it's, you know, something that we're interested in and, uh, you know, publishing out there for our, our show or, or not. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's broadening, you know, would you ever consider having him on the show once he's out? As like an in-person, I mean like face-to-face interview? Uh, yeah. Um, well, Andrew actually wants to, wants to go out with him wants to like take him out once he's released from prison and everything uh we we have a, a pretty good relationship with mike and i actually like mike Humphreys a lot um it's i'd like to say that i'm happy he's getting out um i mean i i do i do feel he deserves to he has earned the privilege to be uh reintroduced into society but you can't really be happy in a situation where someone lost their life and another person is paralyzed so um, happiness is just, is, is not the correct, uh, word, but, um, we, we are going to keep in touch with Mike and we have expressed to him that, Hey, we'd like to have you back on down the road and see how, how things are going for you outside of prison. And he, he was very open to it. And, you know, he thanked us for inviting him on the show and everything. And I mean, he was, he was very overall pleasant to deal with and, and, you know, hopefully we have him on again. What was he convicted for? Or of aggravated murder at the age of 13 for uh, breaking into a home and shooting the occupants, killing one and paralyzing the other. Jeez. Yeah. He's, he's currently my age. I, I believe or I'm 35. I think Mike is 34 or 35. So he's been in prison since 13. So, yeah. Wow. And, um, and so you said you kind of like him. Um, I do like Mike. Yeah. Yeah. What, one guy you don't like is uh, a recent guest of yours named Indel King, who, mm. uh, you called a slimy, and I'm quoting here, a slimy yeah. little asshole, <laughs> which is very descriptive. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, I mean, if you're going to pull an accurate quote, I think you, I think you nailed it. Well, at, <laughs> but, least, uh, at least you didn't call him yeah, seedy. Th- <laughs> <laughs> there's, I mean, there's a good handful of them that I don't um, care for as people, that I don't care to wish to interact with them further, be on the show, and and things like that. I. I don't like Indel King as a person. Um, it's not to say I, I I don't appreciate him taking the time to talk to us and offer his side of things. I do appreciate it. I appreciate everybody that does. That doesn't mean that I have to like them. I didn't find Indel to be a likable person. Um, I didn't find, uh, I mean, I think you nailed it with the quote right there. <laughs> That's not really much <laughs> more for me to say to back that up, you know? Yeah. You uh, also recently spoke with Joe Drews mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, protector of children. 
And that kind of leads me into my other question, and it also goes back to um, your relationship with Michael, that you're, you're, you're about to showcase somebody who's been in prison since 13. They're finally getting out, and they, they committed a horrific crime, but now they're being reintroduced to society. And then you speak to uh, Joe Drews. I just feel like your show, you and Andrew's show, runs the, the entire spectrum of education and and the the title is literally what it is a criminal perspective and uh when people hear about the murderbilia i'm sure you get a lot of questions like why are you so fascinated with this there's a huge educational and uh social value to to what you're talking about i mean it's going to be fascinating to hear what michael has to say about coming into a world that he's never been a part of during his formidable years 13 to you said like 33 34 he is. Oh yeah. When when we when we spoke to him, it, it, it's these little things you don't think about when when he's telling us, you know, I've I've never had a driver's license. I've yeah. never, I you know, I've never gone to the prom, and you know, stuff like that. Like the the very basic things, he hasn't had a chance to experience. So he's he has. When you think about that, he has so much catching up to do. Not to mention technology i think he it was 1998 when his his crime occurred and he was arrested the same day um yeah you know the, the technology to catch up on society has changed vastly since 1998 you know i mean there's there's so much and uh yeah it, it's it's just very interesting and and we try not to i i think that because andrew and i have have had a heavy focus on serial killers and mass murders over the past decades through our own personal interests we try not to sit in and pigeonhole ourselves into um, like one slot of criminal. We we try to um, offer various different stories of, of various different people, and um, you get a lot more that way. And you and you can really see the spectrum of of I mean, so much different stuff at play with these people's lives and their cases. It's, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like no, really no two episodes are the same, you know, cause no, these people don't have, um, identical stories. They don't. Right. Talk a little bit about Joe Drews now on that end of the spectrum and what he's yes. in prison for and how he views himself and his crimes. Okay. So Joe Drews refers to himself as the protector of children and uh, a basic Seems rundown nice. of Joe Drews was, yeah, yeah <laughs> it sounds, it sounds nice. Sounds nice. Uh, he's 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 local to you guys. He's from Boston. Yeah, and, wicked uh, accent. <laughs> so <clears throat> Joe was in prison for a murder, and uh, he he talked to us a bit about that about about his original case that landed him in prison. But yeah. more so, what he's known for is while he was in prison, he murdered a very prolific uh, serial child molester who is also a Roman Catholic priest in Boston, a man named John Gaggin, and his case was very high profile. Um, this kind of really broke out the Catholic church in terms of, of all the, you know, scandal and things like that. John Gaggin was, um, really the one who busted that wide open, um, horrible human being molested countless amounts of children. And, and Joe kind of goes over what happened, what transpired, um, between him and John Gaggin. But basically one day, Joe Drews went into Gaggin's cell and uh, beat and strangled him to death. And I mean, very brutally. This was not a he, – he wasn't gentle. He, I mean, he brutalized uh, John Gaggin. And, um, and there's, there's actually video on, on YouTube if people look up Joe Drews and, and you can see a leaked video from correctional cameras within the facility showing – I think it was like 12 or 13 officers trying to get into the cell to stop this murder and people pulling uh, John Gaggin's body out of the cell and, and all this stuff. And, um, and, and it's interesting because there's they Andrew and I have known about this for a long time and Andrew has known Joe for a very long time, but we never knew how he was, um, how he was keeping that, that cell door from getting open from, you know, 12 or 13 correctional officers. And, and Joe, tells us on the podcast and we get those details, those, those things that, you know, we didn't, we didn't know before and that aren't really out there. Yeah. So, um, what but it's a very say? interesting, uh, uh, he said he, it, it was, it was a book, um, that he used to jam the door, but the, the book he used was it, it, in terms of the crime, the book he used is, is quite poetic. Um, 
when he when he recounts it. That it Can I guess? It, you got you got to listen to it. It's 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 interesting. It's not something that <laughs> I did listen. I forgot. <laughs> oh, I you did listen. To I didn't recall. <laughs> I did, but I didn't. Uh, I don't recall that detail. It was the Notebook by Nicholas Sparks. That's what I was going to guess. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I forget off the top of my head, but I I do remember that it, it does have some 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 poetic significance in terms of of what he did, what he was doing, what he yeah. was using the book for. If you go back and listen to it, you'll find out what I mean. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now he he seemed to think that um, he was almost set up to be to sort of take the fall for for that uh, guy's murder. Um, he th- he thinks the system kind of uh, the system went against him yeah. on it, and, and and you know he took some some undue punishment. But uh, as as he tells it, he he had a. Um, uh, a panic attack in episode he was molested as a child he goes into some detail about that and and basically had a um i think what he was trying to describe it as a, a moment where he just kind of um snapped and he he overheard some conversations regarding child molestation about john gaggan uh how he was going to further re-victimize children and and how he got away with it for so long and uh he just decided he needed to kill him so uh yeah that's what happened i have i have a point and i have a question my point is or my observation is i mean imagine the the i guess poetic justice or just straight up bad luck of gaggin that he's in a maximum security prison and he happens to be the cellmate to this guy who is the protector of children I mean, I mean, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the odds of that are astronomical. Um, I, I don't think they were, I don't think they were cellmates. It's funny because, because Joe Drews uh, talks about it and he, he even says that the, the guard knew he was going into Gagan's cell because he, he oh, said, oh, right, oh right. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go beat him up. Uh, the guard didn't know that Joe was going to brutally fucking murder him. Yeah. And uh, yeah, once Joe got in there, he, he uh, jammed the door shut with a book and just went to town on John Gagan just brutally brutally uh beat this guy to death okay so that that's uh thank you for clearing that up because i i guess i just went into it under the impression that they were cellmates and yeah. that's how we got in there but it either, either way like it's still uh it's still a brutal crime uh his reasoning for doing it seems sort of uh honorable on some level but how do you and andrew balance that with joe drew's uh being a white supremacist was he officially uh like an official white supremacist um i don't know if it was official or if he had um really deep-rooted ties to white supremacy or anything like that the thing is is that um and and joe drews i believe is our first um i guess you could say vigilante type murderer um which you don't hear much about uh so um, it's interesting that we got somebody like that whose crime depicted somewhat of a, a vigilanteism type of uh, motive. Um, but the thing with 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 prisons and criminals and things like that is that prisons, there every prison in the United States has a degree of some sort of racial politics, and some are way more rooted than others in in racial politics and. Um, so it's not uncommon that we talk to people who are involved in um, race-related gangs or prison organizations or things like that. But the thing is, is that they won't talk about that. So we don't ask about that. So it's not that, yeah, it's not oh, that, uh, you know, Joe Druce is a white supremacist. I, I, I think people would be surprised who people that we talk to are affiliated with sometimes, but we we really don't get into that and even if we wanted to they wouldn't get into it because it's not something they can talk about um without being labeled a snitch or anything like that or are giving giving up things that that they shouldn't be talking about yeah 
Um, yeah, I, I really like the spectrum of the, the guests that you have on. Sometimes you call someone a slimy little a-hole. Sometimes, I, I don't want to say you, you got along with Joe Drews, but it was certainly easier to see um, kind of at least uh, appreciating his conversation, I think. But um, did, did you believe Joe? Like, I, I think that's also another element to, to your show is sometimes these people are just lying to you and you'll say it in mm. the intro or the outro usually if you think they're lying or not. Um, did you believe Joe Druce that the um, that the prison kind of um, railroaded him in some to some degree? Like, I think he kind of implied that they waited too long to send the victim yeah. to the hospital. Like is that does that ring true to you versus when you hear it from someone who you know is lying? Well, I, I that's yeah, I understand what you're saying is is Joe kind of uh kind of said, you know, I didn't kill this guy, the prison killed this guy. He was he was alive when they pulled him out of the cell. They waited, you know, this long to bring him to uh, a triage or anything like that and yeah. you know, and that's how he died and had they acted faster and been more prompt with medical services, he might have survived the attack, blah blah blah. I mean, who's to say? It's I I mean, we're not lawyers. So Joe getting into this whole dispute about how, who was um, faulty in this man's death. I mean, Joe definitely played a role in it. And that's all we, we, you know, it's like, we're not, we're not interviewing the prison. Like we want to hear about Joe's role in this. So, I mean, I I don't even think that that really mattered to us. Um, Joe went into the guy's cell and, and, and beat him and, you know, strangled him and, whatever. And, um, that's what we were interested in hearing what Joe did, why Joe did it, things like that. So all all these, uh, it, it felt important to Joe to talk about those types of things. And, and yeah, it seemed like it. Yeah. So, and it's not so much important to this, but just being the fact that it feels important to Joe for him to defend himself in a certain capacity or, to shift blame or whatever the case, like that speaks more to Joe. And that tells us more about Joe without, you know, the hearing direct things related to Joe. I mean, that's sometimes just letting them talk and hearing what they have to say, even if it's about how babies are made or what color the sky is like that tells us about them. So that's why we include those types of things. I mean, we don't have to analyze everything, you know, but we, we feel that yeah. a lot of it does have some significance and it's just deciphering the significance of it, you know? Yeah. So you uh, also recently had a tweet, which by the way, you, you like own Twitter, you and criminal perspective <laughs> podcast owns Twitter. <laughs> and from the criminal perspective, uh, Twitter account, uh, you had a tweet that felt a little random, but was more hilarious. The, the more I read it, um, you, you said uh, there's a million true crime pod, uh, true crime and alcohol podcasts. We get it. You're quirky and fun with your crime stories and drinks. Uh, we want to we want to hear a true crime and paint huffing podcast though, but <laughs> but all y'all are too bitch made to do it. Um, I believe I believe I believe I think that you guys came up with the title felony fumes, which felony fumes. I, yeah. I, Oh, I would I would run with that. That's that's amazing that yeah. you guys thought of that. So uh someone else said huffing homicide. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> huffing funny. homicide was really fucking good too. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. So what I, 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 just, I don't know. We we like to we like to take little fun little shots at the true true crime world and stuff. I think it's it's taken way, 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 way too serious all the time and, and this and that. And uh yeah, I, which, I know people, Which is why I wanted to say how dare you. <laughs> yeah, I know people have their jokey podcasts and it's like, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but we're we're not 100% serious all the time. And we kind of like we make podcasts. We make fucking podcasts. We're not homicide detectives. So, hey, I, you know, I like to keep it kind of like, yeah, speak for myself, right? I'm not I'm not in Saratoga <laughs> trying to, you know, no, you're, the, you're close the book you're, on cold cases. So. Well, yes, you're making podcasts, but you are doing something that uh, nobody is doing. You and Andrew uh, interviewing these people and, and broadcasting it like that. So it is important. It does have cultural value, um, even though I it guess. is fun to um, to diminish your own uh, achievements. Yeah, at times. a little self-effacing is yeah, always. Uh, we're we're we're, we're very self-deprecating in that sense. We yeah. don't we don't yeah. take ourselves too seriously, and that's not to say you know we don't give a shit. It's just you know it, it is it is what it is. We just don't take ourselves that seriously. We we don't 
we take podcasting as serious as we should and, and serious at the appropriate <laughs> times. But I mean, you know, sometimes our personalities got to sh- shine through and, and Andrew and I we're we're super laid back dudes. And I'm, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. Do you have any template questions that you always ask? Yeah. We like to start out with, um, with childhood and upbringing. If we can dig into that and see what they're willing to divulge there. Um, really, the actions and the behaviors are are sort of usually out there or the evidence kind of um, points to the actions and the behaviors. Um, if there are questions within that, we'll ask. But a lot of the time we try to get the the thought process or the the pathology or anything like that driving their actions or behaviors or the confluence of events that led to a, a crime or action. And uh, I think that that's the stuff we need to be digging for other stuff. I think you can sort of piece together um, and, and we're trying to get the the missing parts of the puzzle. And, and I, I think we do a fairly decent job at it. The missing parts of the puzzle, like, Things like do they do they all have a common thread like uh, antisocial behavior or um, you know, a lack of empathy on a certain topic? Have you found a common thread? Um, I mean, really, I haven't. I haven't sat back and and compared things enough to um, to conclude anything in that sense. I, I really approach these individually and and. Um, I mean, it, it, people hear the shows and, and, and that's what it is. I, I don't really do any uh, research further than that or comparative data or anything like that. I, I you know, so um, I couldn't say if I mean, if someone wants to listen to the episodes and and, and, and email us or, or anything and say, hey, you know, I found this interesting that all these guys had this in common. That'd be cool. But um, I mean, we're so busy working on the show and, and scheduling things and all this stuff that, you know, I just... I don't have the time to analyze it um, in those terms. Yeah. No, that's a really interesting answer because I guess that's what your show is doing. You you take it only so far uh, in regards to how qualified you are. You know, you're you're yeah. you're not a psychologist or a criminologist. You are just a del- not just, but you are delivering the information for the professionals to then make uh, an assessment if they choose to. Yeah, I mean, we we do offer our opinions on of their case on their case or on their uh on their interview or, or you know something like that that's not to say that we hold our opinions in high regard or professional regard uh we don't i mean it's our show <laughs> so we feel that um it's okay for us to do that but uh really we um sometimes we feel it necessary to bring on some experts and and really get a true expert opinion um on on the the material but um yeah andrew and i are are regular guys we've been doing this for a long time whatever emphasis you want to put on our experience um doing this for 10 years is completely on you (laughs) but uh yeah we're we're not like you said we're not psychologists we're not criminologists we're not investigators we're not journalists we're not any of these things we're literally we're doing what we've been doing for the past i don't know 10 11 years and we're just recording it now and we're having the same conversations we would have uh irregardless of of a show or not i mean it's 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 very um it's very natural in that sense yeah do you ask um people either on the record or off the record if they've killed separately to what they're convicted for or has that ever come up um that someone's talking about a murder that people didn't know about it has come up um we we do ask that and uh not all the time on the record um for instance we we're currently trying to get uh in an interview with someone who Andrew's known for a very long time. I've talked to him a few times. Um, I, I don't want to say who it is, but it's a very high profile serial killer. And um, he, he's always maintained innocence. Um, however, uh, there's, there's just some things he's, he said to us that um, make us feel that he's he's very much guilty of the crimes that he is accused and convicted of and he wants to do an interview with us but he wants to use a contraband cell phone so that he's not recorded on a state phone so um we 
we've been trying to work this out for a long time without um contributing to you know giving this fucking dude a a cell phone or you know shit like that but um if if he does get a cell phone and wants to call us and do this interview and and tell all uh yeah we're gonna let him but um yeah yeah but he and 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 he he says yo you know i'll tell you everything if i can get this cell phone i just don't want to be recorded because on a on a payphone they record everything and it could potentially hurt his um his uh, ongoing legal uh, arguments and whatnot. So, um, but stuff like that. Wow. So, I mean, um, but also we had a, a, another person named Brandon Roberts on an episode and uh, Brandon Roberts committed a mass murder at a homeless camp where three people were murdered. And uh, Brandon divulged to us that 10 days prior to that, um, he actually murdered another person, which uh, we talked to one of his co-de- uh, co-defendants prior to that interview, a woman named Hope Worthy and Hope completely left that out, didn't talk about it, uh, come to find out that she was scared that she could face more charges or even the death penalty. But Brandon said that the DA already knew about it and no charges were going to come because of lack of evidence. But he confessed just so they could close the case and tell the family who did it and what happened. But uh, yeah, the, um, that was quite the interesting thing Brandon telling us that you know oh by the way um you know 10 days before we did kill another guy and and gave us details of it so yeah jeez has law enforcement ever reached out to you to perhaps get more information related to other crimes or crimes that they think someone might have committed um no uh, but we we don't really withhold anything i mean that's the whole point of the show is to to put this stuff out to everybody um i mean what we get uh, we give um yeah. so i mean what people hear is that's the extent of what we know it's not like we uh you know we're, we're holding back all this stuff i mean it it's out there it, the law enforcement enforcement can listen to the podcast and they'll they'll know just as much as we do so yeah i don't know would you ever consider doing that if law enforcement called you and said hey Prisoner X, we think, did these crimes. He's in jail for these crimes, but we think he's connected to these crimes. Could you ask him these questions? Would you ever consider doing that? Um, That's an interesting question. Um, Yeah. I I mean, it's what we do. (laughs) It's it's a (laughs) it's uh, it's it's. That's so generally put, um, if they just have an inkling or a suspicion or, or if they have, you know, evidence and they want to get a conviction or a, a confession to try and, um, build a case to move forward to get a conviction or, or anything like that. I mean, it, it all depends. It, I mean, really, I don't know. It, it depends on the, the case on what's going on. I, I wouldn't be against it. If, if it meant bringing justice, real justice. Yeah, I wouldn't be against it. Okay, what about if we gave you the names of killers in prison? Would you try to reach out to them? Killers in prison? There's, I mean, I, there's a lot of killers in prison. I well, reach out to them constantly. <laughs> I really don't need you. That's kind, it's, kind of, it's kind of what we do. <laughs> well, perfect then. Uh, <laughs> and then this fits right in. Do, yeah. Dude, do, do, wait, wait, hold this on. You mean, to tell me that, you mean to tell me that there's killers in prison? <laughs> Thankfully. Uh, <laughs> A couple, yeah. There's, there's actually a couple here that I um am curious if uh if if you would be able to um I don't know, talk to and potentially get anything out of. I I mean we'd be open to it. Who do you got? Well, there's this couple (laughs) from um the border of Vermont and New Hampshire who uh abducted a woman in their car and killed her and then killed Mm. another woman. It's uh Priscilla or Patricia and Alan Prue. And uh, they they struck near the area where Maura Murray was killed and um, dumped uh, this uh, victim's body um, near the Connecticut River. And so I, I don't know. I was I guess I was just wondering if, you know, th- these are people who literally left their houses in the hopes of trying to pick someone up off the street and kill them. Yeah. And so I'm I'm wondering if maybe they did that to Maura or maybe if they've heard in their prison system of someone who did. I, I mean, I could, I would definitely be open to asking. Um, it never hurts to ask. That's not always to say that they have an answer for me. Yeah. Um, but, but I would definitely ask that. That's actually really interesting. Um, and yeah, you never know. And and people people do talk in the prison system, and and we've actually spoken to several serial killers who will tell us about other 
people's cases. And and we can, there's a few where we've asked, Hey, is this, is this person really innocent? Have you talked to this person? And, um, and, and they'll say, no, they're not innocent. They've, they bragged about their crime in here, you know, right. which is, you know, contrary to what they always tell us. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would definitely be open to asking about, um, unresolved cases or other things like that. And if people had any, uh, um, knowledge or, or, um, involvement, but, uh, I, cool. I, I really doubt that they would be like, oh yeah, we killed her. You know, it's just, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. happen like that a lot. So, yeah. but, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt. To, you never know. So, yeah. Have you ever received any um, feedback from family members of victims, either telling you uh, that they don't like what you're doing or they appreciate what you're doing? Um, that's actually a really good question. Uh, nothing negative. Um, yeah, yeah. Good question for once, Lance. Great job. Uh, <laughs> that was pre-recorded from a while ago. There's <laughs> yeah, a sound, a sound bite from six months ago from another show. Um, I'm, t- I'm taking the bait. So <laughs> it, it, who's laughing? Is that Tim? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, Tim, Tim was um, laughing because he had to run over to the computer to hit the soundboard <laughs> to make me laugh. <laughs> Misery okay, we're gonna answer answer the question, then we'll do a test. We'll say, is it actually me? Actually, let's just do the test now. Is All right, let's do the test. Me? Let's get this out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Is it, is it okay? So between the soundbite and me, just tell me who if it's actually me or the soundbite. All right. Okay. Here's one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> we just did it at the same time. That went so much better than I wanted it to go. Oh, do I, I don't want to play this anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Getting back to serious business here. Yes. yes. Where's Andrew's body? <laughs> All right. So um, we haven't had anybody's, um, any family members or anything like, uh, like that reach out to us in a, in a negative context. Um, We've actually, uh, we have somebody coming up on the show uh, that is a survivor of somebody who Andrew and I have talked to in the past who we're hoping to have on the show, um, a a school shooter. And and she, yeah, and she was actually, she's a survivor of this person. And um, she's very enthusiastic about coming on the show. We also have another show coming up with a gentleman who was abducted as a child and um, very, very interesting case. Um, he's, he's currently an advocate and um, just extremely interesting story. And he as well is a, is a survivor of these, these crimes. And he's, he's very excited to, to come on the show. And, uh, you know, we've had people who advocate for, um, for victims uh, such as Kelsey German. We've had her on. Um, and uh, we have a lot of friends um, who are who are survivors or, or you know, in, in the collateral sense, things like that, uh, who are friends of the show who eventually will have on. And um, it's we have very good relationships and, and very good feedback and they, they appreciate what we do, which is great because um, the I think if we ever got to a point where we were offending, um, offending people survivors of crimes or, or people who are, who are victimized and, and we're doing something that's, that's not sitting well with these people, we would stop doing it. I, I, I feel so strongly about that, that I, I would rather not do the show than to cause a, a massive amount of offense to people who have already endured such things. So, um, but so far the people who we talk to on that side of the spectrum have, have been wonderful towards us. I mean, just they're great and and we get along with them well and they appreciate what we do and and that that means so much to me so have you ever met andrew in person no i haven't that's amazing. i uh it's so odd yeah <laughs> except have for you the, ever met except for the time have you, you ever me. met lance in person <laughs> uh he's sitting right here at this blue table with me yeah i don't believe you um <laughs> Yeah, uh, real quick, can we can can we recap once we're done with this? Can we recap how the American Crime Fest went this past weekend? Oh, oh yeah, it was, it was so good. It's an enormous success. Yeah, was it not amazing? 
It a lot was of coffee by the boardwalk. Yeah, remember that oh, cup of coffee goodness. that we enjoyed together right out I, there in Dawn? I, how could I ever forget? I mean, uh, it the was frantic Atlantic Ocean. It was it was beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> nice. all, all the the wonderful presentations and uh, oh, the merchandise. The food, the catered lunch and breakfast. The catered lunch was exquisite. Oh my gosh i i can i can I can never forget my weekend in Wildwood, New Jersey. It'll said stay with no me one. forever. Yeah, said no one ever. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, anyway, it was a good try. It was a good try. Th- thank you for uh, being willing to go. Um, it it did fall through, unfortunately. Uh, t- not not because of us. If you guys want. <laughs> To put the blame on me for this, I'll take it. I did. Well, I did a lot. Of, I did a lot of shady promotion leading up to yeah. the event. Uh, CD even. Yeah. I, I, I mean, mean it, it was it was very very um, misleading promotion. Um, yeah. Uh, well, for the record, it, it definitely it, it definitely was your fault, but I don't think we feel comfortable <laughs> blaming you completely. Not after what you did to Andrew. <laughs> Not publicly, at least. I take I take such a tongue lashing behind the scenes from you guys. It's fucking unreal. <laughs> I mean, I, as soon as we hit cut, I'm not saying anything, but I'm just saying perhaps an area in Wildwood, New Jersey, should be searched for a certain for, co-host body, a, a certain a certain Andrew Dodge for, for maybe an Andrew Dodge type. I I uh, uh, fortunately for me, I have travel records showing that Andrew Dodge. Did take a flight last night in the AM to San Francisco, California, and uh, this is indisputable evidence. Um, so come at me with whatever you got, and uh, and let's let's meet these these accusations head on. You know, I feel like I heard you do air quotes when you said Andrew Dodge had. had yeah, <laughs> you, 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 you heard you, you heard the air move, huh? <laughs> it felt like a, yeah, it felt like weekend at Bernie's situation, exactly. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> They were they were some strong air quotes, but uh, <laughs> I, I have nothing to hide. I'm a very non-threatening person. I'm uh, I'm I'm scared of everything, and uh, and Andrew Dodge, I I would feel horrible if I ever harmed him. So he's a, he's an American treasure. I like coffee when I sip it like this. <laughs> yeah. It tastes more me uh, better to me. It tastes more better. Oh, really? Like a wine thing? Like really just like flushing it around in your mouth? It hits all your taste Opening buds. up the uh, the aromatics, <laughs> getting the right mouthfeel. Yeah. Yep. It's got a good nose on it. <laughs> the finish is nice. Speaking of, of coffee-isms, I, uh, I, I typically wait like a good... 10, 15 minutes before even taking a sip. After Get making... that right temperature. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <sighs> exactly. Finish it off with a nice... <sighs> and sometimes I like to leave a little of the previous coffee in there so that when the newer hot coffee comes in, it is cooled down a little bit by the older coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you cut that wait time down. Yeah, exactly. And you just get more of it to drink. Yep, and it's better than putting like an ice cube in it. Yeah, yeah, because you, you don't want watering that. it down. Yeah, that would be watering it down. Yeah, 